Hello and welcome to Written in Uncertainty, an Elder Scrolls podcast sat firmly in the grey maybe of Tamriel and proud member of the Robots Radio podcast network. My name is Aramithius, and today we're investigating the life and motivations of one of the most influential Mur on Tamriel, who defied social convention, founded a religion, and created a new people. Today we're asking, who was Veloth? Before we get to that though, I want to make a few announcements. Firstly, if you're a regular listener, yes, I'm sounding strange and deep and gravelly and all sorts, but that's because I've managed to come down with COVID this week. I am just about over it and I wanted to get this episode out, but it is going to probably have some impact on the audio that you're hearing. So I am sorry for any differences in how it sounds compared to normal. Um, I will probably have a bit more breathiness because I'm shorter of breath and that sort of stuff. But I really wanted to get this episode out. So I am recording and I am out of bed and everything is fine. It was relatively mild. And so I was over it in a few days. But anyway, I also want to say thank you ever so much to my new patrons. Um, Matt and the Happy Camper have signed up recently. Thank you ever so much for your support, guys. I am really, really grateful that you're wanting to support this podcast. Um, If you want to help support this podcast and get early access to my content and exclusive access to the notes that I make for every episode, please head over to patreon.com forward slash written in uncertainty. Or if you just want to make a one-off donation, head over to ko-fi.com forward slash aramithius. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Aramithius. And there's also been a good amount of activity in the Robots Radio network recently. Robots is doing his thing and releasing a vast amount of new content and getting new creators on board. Uh, So there is a bunch of new lorecasts out there. In particular, the Lord of the Rings lorecast. I absolutely love Tolkien's franchise, uh, franchise, Tolkien's legendarium and... All of the stuff that comes out of Middle-earth, I've got racks and racks of books on the stuff, and Robots is doing a really good job of investigating all of the stuff right from the creation of Arda on to the Third Age. It's going to take him a while to get to the Third Age, but I really like the stuff he's been putting out so far, so check that out. Um, Assassin's Creed, I don't know a whole heap about, but I'm sure that it's up to his usual standards, and go check it out. There's also been a whole bunch of new podcasts in the Robots Radio rocket club as well so go and find those i'm particularly enjoying the dragon age lore cast um fandom university has been around for a while but there are a whole bunch of others um in there as well so go and check that out at robotsradio.net forward slash rocket club i think you'll find the list there um and i'm sure you'll find something interesting there and i also want to say that if supporting things through patreon or through Kofi or whatever isn't your bag there are a bunch of sponsors for the network as well Um, if you head over to writteninuncertainty.com forward slash sponsors then you can find them all there it's everything from a discount of about 66% on a two-year subscription to um, to NordVPN to 15% off things you buy from Green Man Games Uh, there's discounts to Cloudfly subscriptions all sorts of stuff that if you want to enhance how you do things online then we can help you out with that. 
And with that, I think we should probably get to it. I'm going to kick off with my usual disclaimer saying that this is my own understanding of Veloth and very probably not the whole truth of the matter. You may have other ideas and if so, I would absolutely love to hear them. Please do drop me a line at writtenuncertaintypodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at Aramithius and I will absolutely love to discuss this stuff with you. Um, an additional disclaimer for this one is that we have next to no contemporaneous accounts of Veloth. All of the stuff that we have um, to do with this guy comes from things that are some way after the events. So we've not got an awful lot of evidence that's direct that we can go on. So there's always some filters of history and people using Veloth for their own ends, that sort of thing. Uh, we do get to speak to him very, very briefly in the Elder Scrolls Online. His ghost is part of one of the quests in the Elder Scrolls Online. Um, and but and so you can speak to him there very, very briefly. But he says next to nothing, it's just thank you for putting me back together at the end of a quest in Deshaun, I think it is. Um, so there's no real depth to what we can say to him to get anything of what he did firsthand, which is infuriating. But that's unfortunately the way it is. Oh, and I should also say, um, I will be posting the references for everything I quote on a blog post to go alongside this episode. At the moment, the Written Uncertainty website's had a hiccup and just got rid of a whole bunch of the articles. I am gradually putting them back. But if you head to writtenanduncertainty.com forward slash podcast slash fell off then you'll have all of the notes i've made here and all of the things that i'm quoting so you can have links to those go check them out and check out what they're saying in full if you think i'm using them out of context or incorrectly that sort of thing and again i'd love to hear from you if you have anything else to say on the matter and i'd also love to hear from you if you really like this podcast please do give us a review on itunes or spotify or stitch or wherever you're listening and i would absolutely love to give people shouts out shout outs on this on the show it's absolutely fantastic to hear from anyone who is enjoying the show i really really like putting out content for you guys and i really like hearing that you guys enjoy it as well but we should probably get to veloth at this point Veloth was a Chimer, possibly the first Chimer. He was a highborn Myrrh who was a prophet of Boethia. Um, he grew discontent with uh, the pampered life available on Somerset and convinced several elves to leave with him. Uh, whether he sought Boethia out or was contacted by her himself is unclear but he led an exodus to Morrowind or to Resdane at the time, where the Chimer set up a new, more ascetic way of life based on suffering and Daedra worship. He was renowned as a prophet, a healer, a discerner of Daedra, and was effectively the founder of the Chimeri as a people and thence Dunmuri culture. In a nutshell, I see him as a sort of Chimeri Moses, a comparison that I'll get to in a bit more detail soon. As well as being the founder of the Chimeri culture, the Dunmer Ashlanders are seen as the ones who maintain his legacy in its truest form, or at least by most house Dunmer throughout their history from what we can see, which is why the initial settlers and depending on who you speak to, the Ashlanders um, are occasionally called the Velothi. 
quite how true that is, we'll get into. But Tribunal Era Dunma Culture dubs him the patron saint of outcasts and spiritual seekers, or in other words, those who follow Veloth's own journey, in a sense. The book Veloth the Pilgrim describes its subject like this, quote, Rising to prominence in the late middle Merithic era on Somerset Isle, Veloth supposedly sought a more ascetic and pure way of life for his followers and gathered them into a grand pilgrimage from the southwest regions of Tamriel to the northeast. According to contemporary texts, he spared not a boat, ration, or strong-armed soul among his people in this exodus and toiled to reach the land of Resdane. I think that's a good enough summary to start with, at least so we can start picking elements of it to bits. I think we can start with the relationship between Veloth and Boethia. So Veloth the Pilgrim and several other texts paint the beginning of Veloth's exodus as something that Veloth initiated. However, there is a possible alternative to this. The book The Fall of Trinomach puts it like this, quote, during the Merithic era, a cult of Aldmeri dissidents abandoned the commonly accepted worship of Somerset Isle and began to follow a young prophet, Veloth. Boethia had been speaking to Veloth in dreams and visions, guiding him to lead a new sect of Aldmeri with the belief that mortals could ascend to become gods. This text has Veloth in a much more passive role, being led by Boethia to found the Kaima on the basis of what would become the Sigic Endeavour. The general tone of the text is one of condescension towards the Kaima, and I think the book itself is quite pro-Awesomer in its outlook, thanks to a reference to Moloch in the text. So it's likely that they're looking to make the Kaima look bad, and making Veloth look like a pawn of Boethia would certainly achieve that. But it's certainly another possibility. The book Changed Ones puts most of the results of the Velothi Exodus as a thing Boethia planned, although admittedly with help from others. Quote, Boethia told the mass before him the triangle truth. He showed them, with Mephala, the rules of Sigic Endeavour. He taught them how to build houses and what items they needed to bury in the corners. He demonstrated the right way to wear their skin. He performed the way to walk to achieve an exodus. Now, this is interesting, as it says nothing about Veloth. Part of this is down to the time it was written, I think. The text is taken from Skeleton Man's interview with the Delizens of Tamriel, which was released before Morrowind, so pre-2002. Um, and the only mention of Veloth in that text is as a place. I don't know for sure, but I think Veloth as a character may have evolved after this was written, later in the development of The Elder Scrolls III. But... Even this text acknowledges that Boethia didn't do it all completely alone. Mephala is given some credit for the Sigic Endeavour, which we'll get to later, but there is at least the possibility that Boethia was responsible for a good amount of what Veloth has planned. We even have some rough evidence that, that Boethia is the one who made the difference between the different forms of Daedra, the good and bad Daedras, because you have lots of different divisions of... Dunmurray culture present in this text. You have the rules of Sigic Endeavour, which we'll get to later, but we taught them how to build houses, so Boethia is potentially the founder of great house culture, apparently. Um, or items they need to vary in the corners, the corners of the houses, that I can take as being a reference to the corn four corners of the House of Troubles. So Boethia said who the bad Daedra were. He demonstrated the right way to wear their skin. That's potentially a reference to the Kaima being different from the Ultma, um, 
or possibly also a reference to the orcs changing their skin as well. Um, but it's a little unclear there. Um, he performed the way to walk to achieve an exodus. That could be a reference to the Sijic Endeavor as a walking way and a way to achieve godhood. And that's what it means by exodus here. But it could also be that Boethia gave them the tools needed to move out of Somerset and get out of Somerset to go to Resdane. And so there's all sorts of possibilities here that are attributed to Boethia and things that are mixed up with Veloth and that sort of thing. Um, Chimeri and Dunmeri culture in general lionizes Veloth's role in establishing Daedra worship on Somerset, giving him a bit more agency in this whole thing. Uh, the Judgment of St. Veloth says this, quote, St. Veloth personifies daring, and those who follow the lessons of his life and teachings learn boldness and cultivate an adventurous outlook. He defined the difference between the good and evil Daedra, and even negotiated the original arrangements with the good Daedric princes. This ability to distinguish the good from the bad was a hallmark of the living saint, as was his penchant for healing and healing items. So this puts the relationship between Veloth and Boethia and the contributions that Boethia and Veloth made to Chimeric culture on a bit more of an equal footing, with Veloth being the one to negotiate the terms of the arrangement. Uh, it's possible also that Veloth selected Boethia for a greater goal of forging the climate into something else, something different from the place they were planning to leave. So it's possible that Boethia was the tool being used by Veloth in this instance, or at least according to this text. In-universe, I think part of the way to explain the possible conflict with regard to Veloth and Boethia being responsible for all this stuff might be due to a shift in the culture of the Velothi elves and their descendants. Changed Ones was originally a dialogue from Drez Molaghai, um, and the Drez are more inclined towards Daedra worship than the other great houses, even in the Tribunal era. It's possible that Veloth's role was inflated by the Tribunal Temple and that the role of the saints being a relatively new way to revere the ancestors and downplay the importance of the Daedra. So it's possible that Veloth may have been a tool used to diminish Boethia's role and make Boethia less important, and those cultures that remember Daedra worship that much more are willing to attribute more to the Daedra because they absorbed less of that tribunal influence. But what that ultimately means is that it's possible that Veloth wasn't actually that important in defining Chimeric culture. However, there are some anomalies to that point um, that suggest that Veloth may have at least some autonomy from Boethia's influence in general. Again, it's trying to triangulate all these accounts and square it up. So this is going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of comparisons between texts going forwards more than I usually do. So just a heads up. Uh, both the Judgment of Saint Veloth and the names for several spells in the Elder Scrolls Three suggests that the Dunmer associate Veloth with healing an awful lot. And there's nothing in Boethia's teachings to suggest healing as a practice that Boethia values. If you can't survive on your own, then you should probably die is one of the things that we get from several Boethian texts and quests. So I think it's quite likely that Veloth was more than a simple Boethia cultist. And he was taking what elements of Boethia's teachings he had a use for alongside aspects of other Daedra's teachings in order to forge the climber into something else other than what they were on Somerset. 
I see the involvement of the other good Daedra here as a good reason to think that Veloth was more active in his relationship with Boethia. I'm not sure why Boethia would bring Azura and Mafala into a culture that he was, pla was planning. And if she had carte blanche to shape Chimeri culture according to her own whims. So again, I'm more inclined to assign Veloth a more active role in the partnership because it is a partnership rather than just Boethia getting his own way. Even without necessarily being the sole guiding light for the Velothi Exodus, Boethia may well have provided much of its conceptual framework though. The Triangle Truth and the Sigic Endeavor have been claimed as Boethia's rather than Veloth's in several texts where they come up. If you follow the claims of the Changed Ones that we discussed earlier and looking into the 36 Lessons of Vivek, which is where they come up and have the most prominence. But we'll get into going into that a bit later on. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the Exodus itself. I've heard it said that one of the reasons that Boethia and the other good Daedra were chosen for the Velothi Exodus was because they gave them the virtues that enabled them to survive as a dissident people um, in a place where they would be oppressed for their beliefs. The argument goes that Boethia gave them the strength and will to persevere, Mafala gave them the skill to assassinate those that would challenge them, and Asura showed them how to be different from the Altmer in the first place, or something like that. A bunch of Azura's contributions in particular get attributed to Boethia if you believe varieties of faith, so the line between those two is a little blurry. I'm not entirely sure I support all of that reasoning though, because it implies some degree of covertness to the Velothi leaving the Isles. We don't really know how they left in any great detail. At uh, the very least, the final stages of leaving were very public, where Boethia ate Trinomac. Uh, there are also some accounts that seem to suggest that it, there were a lot of people leaving and there was a great marshalling of resources. If you look at Veloth the Pilgrim, it claims that he spared not a boat, ration or strong-armed soul among his people in this exodus and toiled to reach the land of Resdane. That's not really something that I really imagine being something that you can do covertly. Um, if you're scrambling for every single scrap of material, every vehicle, everything else, it's a big public event. So given that, I think it likely that the Velothi left very publicly. Um, I suppose they could have planned everything covertly and prepared the way for that sort of thing, but not necessarily too much. Um, I th from what we can tell, the Chimeri Exodus was part of a broader splintering of Altmeri society, so there was probably a lot of general unrest going on. Um, I've mentioned it before in this podcast when discussing the Dareni, but I will restate it here just in case you haven't heard it before. Um, we have this line from the 3rd edition Pocket Guide to the Empire's description of Somerset's history. Quote, the religion of the people also changed because of this change in society. No longer did the old ma worship their own ancestors, but the ancestors of their betters. Oriel, Trinomac, Surabane, and Finaster are among the many ancestor spirits who became gods. A group of elders rebelled against this trend, calling themselves the Sigics, the keepers of the old way of old Meris. With their mystical powers, they were able to settle in Arteum, away from what they considered the corruption of their society. They continued to return to the land to act as advisors, but never again would they call Somerset home. It was about this time that many Oldmer left Somerset to settle the mainland of Tamriel. There was probably no single reason for this second exodus of the Oldmer, 
that some evidence, such as the famed Rumoran tapestries, the very ones that show some of the creatures mentioned above, show how untouched and beautiful the mainland was considered to be by the Oldma. Expeditions such as those taken by Topol the pilot and others had painted an image in their minds of a great land where even workers at the lowest end of the Somerset hierarchy could live as kings. The prophet Veloth was among those who led a group of discontented Oldma away from Somerset to a new promised land. Now this shows that there's several cultural changes going on in the Old Merry or Alt Merry, there's some discrepancy there, society at the time of the Velothi Exodus. And Veloth was part of that cultural ferment, although it would possibly be a mistake to construe Veloth as being part of the same movement that produced the Sijiks. There were several ideas bubbling up at once due to this general dissatisfaction from what we can tell. Vex teaching states that Veloth isn't part of the Sijiks in spite of having the same name for the Endeavour and the Order. However, it is curious that only Veloth's leaving was stopped by Trinomac. In my mind, there are two possible reasons for this. It could be that the Velothi Exodus was the first journey of settlers to Tamriel, and as such, Trinomac was stopping the first form of descent against Somerset's hierarchy arising, or at least trying to. It's also possible that, as an explicitly Daedric cult at the point of its leaving, the Velothi represented the greatest challenge to Somerset's prevailing ideology and culture, while the others weren't so much of a schism as an expansion. Certainly the Aeliads had some initial contact with Somerset after they left, as Before the Ages of Man describes the Aeliads as a tribute land of Alinor, at least in theory. The Kaima were quite a sharp break from everything that Somerset represented, and so were a different kind of exodus. Indeed, in his book on the Kaima, Phrastus of Elenhir points out that, quote, the Sapiarchs of Alinor prohibited the schism, which indicates that the old Alinor authorities had some form of say in the elves leaving their islands, so maybe the aliens were approved, I know that they were only more overt in their Daedra worship after they left, so it's likely that they might have been allowed to go in a way that the Velothi weren't, but that's something I'll dig into in a bit more detail another time. Before we go into Veloth's background and lead into what he wanted to achieve through the Exodus, although we've touched a bit on that already, I wanted to wrap up talking about the Exodus itself with a quick dive into when it happened, because there are a few conflicting accounts of that. We'll go through them in roughly chronological order, if we can say chronological order to arguments about when something happened. Uh, the book The True Nature of Orcs, um, puts the Velothi Exodus at the Dawn Era without much more explanation. It is the only source that does that, with others putting it somewhere in the Merithic Era. The Fall of Trinomac puts it at the Merithic Era just in general, while Before the Ages of Man and Veloth the Pilgrim both explicitly state the Late Middle Merithic Era. So, towards the end of the middle, which sounds a little strange now you say it like that, but it, it kind of makes sense. All of these options have their problems, for me, in some way. If it happened during the Dawn Era, then there's a big gap between the Exodus um, of the Kaima and their settling on Resdain. However, 
if it happened during the Merithic era, then what was Trinomach and Adra doing strutting around like a normal personified deity? That that kind of thing just doesn't happen after the Dawn era. The consensus of the text is that it happened in the late Middle Merithic, but if that's the case, I've not yet seen much in the way of satisfactory answers as to why Trinomach was still around and still able to do things rather than simply being comatose, dead, or whatever your preferred metaphor is for the post-creation state of the Aedra. So Veloth's primary aim with the Exodus, as we've already touched on briefly, is potentially one of escape. Well, that will get a bit more of an interesting metaphor later on, I'll start with talking about a more immediate escape, that of fleeing Somerset society. Despite being highborn himself, apparently, Veloth seems to have considered that the society was one that was too decadent, a word that comes up in several texts that highlight Veloth's views on Somerset society. Veloth the Pilgrim notes this, quote, Theloth supposedly sought a more ascetic and pure way of life for his followers and gathered them into a grand pilgrimage from the southwest regions of Tamriel to the northeast. That last note seems to indicate that the ultimate destination was unknown, at least in the specifics. Several texts do point out that Boethia was guiding Veloth through dreams and visions, but they disagree about how far Veloth had actually seen the land in these visions. Re the book Relics of St. Veloth has a description of the tear of St. Veloth as an artifact, and it says it was shared, quote, when he first laid eyes upon the land of Resdane, the new homeland he had seen in his visions. This implies that he recognised the land from his dreams, and so had seen it. However, End of the Journey has a different take on it. Quote, Veloth drove them onward, chasing a vision that had come to him in a dream. He claimed to see a great hawk in the sky. He vowed that the hawk would lead the Chimer to a new home. This gives no indication that he knew what the land looked like, just the direction he needed to head to to get to that new home. Part of the reason uh, that this was so vague is because what actually mattered to Veloth was the society that he was founding as part of it. That society was supposed to be more egalitarian than the one that Veloth had left. The book Exodus from Somerset puts it in quite idealistic terms that I'm not really sure it ever fully lived up to. Quote, Veloth the mystic called out to those whose souls were weary, whose lives were ground out with no hope of improvement in a society founded on ambition, greed and decadence. To those who hoped for a society that preserved traditions, praised honesty and rewarded the just, Veloth's voice was as a golden note among a cacophony. Veloth the pilgrim led his followers across the seas and away from the lands that they had known with the promise of a new and better future. Now, this sounds uniformly positive and caring and about justice. It lives up to the same sort of vibe as Veloth being a healer, to the point where Veloth gives up his life for his people, as related in the end of the journey. Quote, Veloth hoisted his mighty hammer and proclaimed, Never again shall I wield this tool or any other to slay a foe. I have given my heart to my people, but now I shall give them more. I shall dedicate my life and my soul to them. 
There are a lot of parallels to the Mosaic Exodus here. That is the Exodus that Moses led, right down to the Promised Land bit in some texts that talk about Veloth. But this is where the Israelites are being led to a land flowing with milk and honey. And like Moses and the Israelites, Veloth was also seeking to transform his people. Uh, end of the journey puts it like this, quote, Veloth spoke to his people. We are home, he declared. This is the anvil upon which we shall forge a new people. One journey ends here, but another journey begins. The parallels here I want to pick out in particular is that the Mosaic Exodus was trying to make the Israelites into a people who trusted God. It was flinging them into extreme circumstances where they had to rely on God for their provision of food, water, and other means of survival. Veloth is almost an anti-Moses in this way. He's trying to get people back to a simpler, harsher way of life and to be self-reliant. Um, and there's an inherent combativeness and struggle against the environment there, which isn't present in the text of the Bible. It's not for nothing that Marine's Dagon is compared to the hostile land of Morrowind in Varieties of Faith and the House of Troubles. There's no similarity made between God or anything like the Devil and the Sinai Desert for the Israelites. You don't see those parallels at all. It's just an attempt to have Israel and God being a people and a deity together. I suppose you can argue there's potentially a struggle in there because Israel itself means, as a word, struggles with God, but... I think that it's less front and center than it is for Veloth. It's possible that there are some similarities in the journey between Moses and Veloth. Both are arduous and more heavy going than they needed to be. On the part of the Israelites, they were intended to enter the promised land almost immediately. Um, the journey across the Sinai Desert should have taken about two weeks. However, the Israelites didn't think that they could overcome the people who were already dwelt in the land of Canaan, and so God sends them back into the desert until all of that generation are dead for another 40 years. For Veloth, Somerset and Morrowind are on opposite corners of Tamriel. If Veloth wanted to settle the continent, there are plenty of other places that he could have settled that would have been far simpler and potentially actually nearer and just as harsh in their way. I mean, Black Marsh is a fight to survive and Skyrim potentially in its own way. But like Moses, uh, the journey itself would have whittled out the Kaima who weren't worthy along the way, and maybe that's part of Veloth's intent here, although we don't have any distinct indication of that. However, this is where the comparison with Moses ends, I think. While Moses and God were looking to forge the Israelites into a kingdom of priests, so to speak, and then go on through that kingdom of priests to save the world, uh, Veloth and the Kaima were more insular. Uh, this was a transformation that was to involve just the Kaima themselves, not so much changing the world through a select people, which is what God was attempting to do with the Israelites in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Veloth's grand scheme, which again we'll get to in a bit, um, was more about getting the Kaima into a people who were ready to escape and move beyond. The Velothi Exodus itself was a religious pilgrimage and a schism, though. Uh, the book Before the Ages of Man describes the Kaima as devoted to, quote, 
fundamentalist ancestor worship. In contrast to the select ancestor worship practiced on Somerset, I should note that ancestor is a loose term here, that the Adra were considered ancestors by the Velothi despite being a different category of being. Uh, the Redguard Forum Madness archive that's from 1999 uh, contains a post by Michael Kirkbride that suggests that, contrary to what we know from Alt-Murray theology, Daedra means our stronger, better ancestors, rather than not our ancestors, which is what it means in the Alt-Murray tongue. Uh, this translation isn't really acknowledged anywhere else, but the inexplicable patron, Lawmaster's Archive, does make it explicit that the idea of ancestry is more ideological to the Kaima than anything else. It says this, quote, I find myself shamed, as I often am, but not surprised, as I never am, by the gross misunderstandings of the nature of the Daedra that adopted our ancestors. That term, adoption, makes it clear that the Dunma, and by extension the Kaima, possibly don't see ancestry as literal here, but instead one of a people being chosen by, a da by the Daedra to be part of their family, and potentially for a particular purpose, which again, you can possibly draw parallels with Moses, that the act of drawing the Israelites out of Egypt is God's act of choosing the Israelites to be his people. Veloth would have been pivotal to defining what the purpose for the Kaima was, um, if the account from the Judgment of St. Veloth is even close to accurate. Um, according to that account, Veloth explicitly chose the Daedra, while Lives of the Saints claims this, quote, that Veloth taught the difference between the good and bad Daedra and won the aid of the good Daedra for his people while teaching how to carefully negotiate with the bad Daedra. This puts Veloth in a more active role yet again, having him almost petition the good Daedra for the sake of his people rather than gathering his people around the notion of Daedra worship as such. However, this is a tribunal-era text, and so it's possible that there's some revisionism going on as to what Veloth's role was here. The discrimination between the good and bad Daedra does highlight a role that Veloth has in mind for the Daedra, although even the bad Daedra can be interactive with, if done with care. The difference between the good and bad Daedra, then, is not simply that some are going to be embraced and some are to be avoided. It's clear that they all have lessons to teach, according to Veloth. It's just how you get those lessons out of the Daedra. I should point out here again that there's the issue of no written record of Veloth's own teachings, and everything we have about what Veloth said is filtered in some way, shape, or form. I'm curious as to what extent the good and bad Daedra are a post-Veloth construct, because some sources point out that this distinction happens around the worship of the tribunal. The book Darkest Darkness says this, quote, the Tribunal Temple of Morrowind has incorporated the veneration of Daedra as lesser spirits subservient to the immortal Alm Sivi, the triune godhead of Almalexia, Sothasil, and Vivek. These subordinate Daedra are divided into the good Daedra and the bad Daedra. The good Daedra have willingly submitted to the authority of the Alm Sivi. The bad Daedra are rebels who defy Alm Sivi, treacherous kin who are more often adversaries than allies. The book The Anticipations says much the same thing. Perhaps the most interesting note about this, though, appears when you ask Aslanders about Daedric Sites in The Elder Scrolls 3. 
they come up with this particular piece of dialogue, quote, When the Velothi first came to Morrowind, they worshipped our most terrible ancestors, the Daedra Lords. Legends say the Daedra Lords themselves built these great shrines because mortals could not build anything grand enough to suit them. When the Tribunal claimed to have tamed the Daedra Lords, they forbid the worship of the bad Daedra, Malakath, Merun's Dagon, Molagbal and Shiagorath. Now, both of these sources that I quoted seem to indicate that it's the Tribunal, not Veloth, that defined the difference between good and the bad Daedra. It's submission to the Tribunal that makes a good Daedra good and a bad Daedra bad. Um, there are lots of sources saying that Veloth defined the difference, but the lack of contemporary sources has me wondering whether the distinction is just a post-Veloth construct. I'm sure I also remember a source that claims that all seven Daedric Princes, both good and bad Daedra, helped the Kaima leave Somerset, but I can't for the life of me remember where that text was. I can't be sure it exists, and I can't find it, um, or whether it's just a figment of my imagination. So if you can remember where that was, please do let me know. Drop me an email at writtenanuncertaintypodcast at gmail.com and so that I can add an addendum to next episode or whenever you can get to me um, so that we can clear that up. Uh, but now that we've gone through all of the whys and the wherefores of the um, of the Exodus itself and how it relates to the Daedra, I think we should probably get to the notion of the Sigic Endeavor because that's one of the driving factors for the Exodus in some ways, or at least the underlying ideological framework for it. In some places, Veloth is credited with the formation of the Sigic Endeavor and otherwise it's Boethia, but we'll take it as read that we've talked about that potential distinction for now but the sigic endeavor itself is described in vex teaching like this quote veloth describes the sigic endeavor as a process of glorious apotheosis where time itself is bent inward and outward into a shape that is always new those who can attain this state called chim experience an ineffable sense of the godhead and escape the strictures of the world egg it should be noted that while Veloth is given credit for establishing the anti-laws that govern the endeavour, this process has its antecedents in the teachings of the Black Hounds Mephala, Boethia, Azura, Trinamak, and of course Lokhan through that Lord's association with Sij. This text credits Veloth to an extent with the creation of the Sijic Endeavour, which the love letter from the Fifth Era corroborates as an attempt to escape the restrictions of the world and move beyond it to another. I think this text presents Veloth as an Alessia-esque figure, personally. He, like the Slave Queen, produced an elegant synthesis of other teachings that resulted in a new practice. Note that there isn't mention of the triangled truth here, um, which is always explicitly linked to Boethia. So, while the Sigic Endeavour and the triangled truth are similar, I'm not sure that they're the same thing. And there's also a question of how much uh, Veloth knew about the whole process and what it would lead to. There's no indication of whether Veloth knew about things like the Amaranth um, as a way to move beyond the current means of existence. Um, it, it is describing something similar to the Amaranth, in my opinion, um, experiencing the ineffable sense of the Godhead, escaping the, um, escaping the world, that sort of thing. It sounds very, very like the... Um, Amaranth, but it's not named as such, so it could be that it is 
a little different to it at the actual bottom of it all. But I should point out that much of this is still attributed to, to Boethia in Tribunal Era teachings. Change ones both present elements of the endeavour, the Triangle Truth, as things that Boethia spoke to Trinomac, rather than being present in Veloth's teachings as such. I imagine there's a fair amount of overlap, but there's no mention that Veloth passed on those teachings himself. Boethia is their point of origin. So again, we're back to the idea of they have their antecedents in the teachings of Boethia. It's just we don't know how far Veloth innovated to create the endeavor, if you like, um, because only Vex teachings really put Veloth at the center for this sort of thing and giving the description of the endeavor that we've just been through. And I should also point out that if you are fussed about um, what actually appears in the games and what doesn't, that Vex teachings is an unlicensed text. So this may be something that you want to factor in if you want to accept that. But, but that Veloth's teachings have their antecedents in the teachings of the various Daedra. It's possible that that's why those Daedra were chosen by Veloth, because their teachings would lead to the Endeavor. If so, it would also lend a little bit of credence to the idea that the bad Daedra were a necessary part of the process. If Vivek attained Chim, the Pomegranate Banquet in Sermons 12 to 14 of the 36 lessons, uh, which is where Vivek does a variety of things to and with Molag Bal, is definitely a part of that process um, as it's the only time that Chim is mentioned explicitly in the 36 lessons. There are things that you can look at and say, yes, that sounds like Chim from what we know of it from a vast amount of fan analysis of the concept over the years, but that's the only place where Chim is explicitly mentioned. And if that's the case, then that could well be why we don't see many people trying to achieve the endeavor, particularly among the house Dunma and in the tribunal era where we actually see Dunma doing things. They've forgotten that the restrictions of the bad Daedra and playing with fire in a sense are as much a part of the process of achieving the endeavor um, and a part of Velos teachings as dealing with the good Daedra, that there is a difference, yes, but they, all seven of them, contain something that is worthwhile in achieving that glorious apotheosis. And that is about it for all of the things that I'm going to say about Veloth for now. Um, my voice is just about holding out long enough for this outro, um, so I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you ever so much for being with me on this ramble through the whys and the wherefores and the hows um, of the Velothi Exodus and Veloth himself. I do hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do leave us a review somewhere on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you listen. Um, I'd absolutely love to hear your views on the podcast. Um, and do please join us next time where we will be going over one of the other splinterings of the Aldmer on Somerset where we will be asking what are the Aelids. And until then, I am launching another podcast by the time that episode is out, or before that episode is out, rather. Um, so please do check out the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny podcast. It is a podcast where we're going over the exalted tabletop RPG setting, which it's kind of a mishmash between Conan, Ancient China, um, anime, and Gilgamesh, and 
a lawful lot of other things depending on where you are and it's a huge expansive setting and we're unpacking how to use all the various setting elements in both the sense of where they fit into the overall lore of the game and how to use them in the tabletop so there should be at least one episode out um, of that but either by the time this um this episode happens or before the alien episode for this of this podcast drops so do check that one out um there'll be links to everything to all that in the show notes until next time on this podcast when we will be talking about the alids this podcast will remain a letter written in uncertainty you've been listening to written in uncertainty a podcast written and hosted by aramithius and mixed and mastered by Dopportunity. the music for this podcast has been kindly provided by jan glimbotsky Check them out on SoundCloud under Songs from the Lost Land, and I'll see you next time. Do you love the Witcher series and are interested in learning more about the world and the history and the monsters and the characters of the Witcher? Well, This is Robots from shows like the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast and the Mass Effect Lorecast. And me and my buddy Toasty are now doing the Witcher Lorecast. It's available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on right now. And we also record it live on Monday nights on twitch.tv slash robots radio at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So you're welcome to join us there. Again, it's the Witcher Lorecast available everywhere. Go check it out right now. Hey, Simone. Yes, Chad. What would you say is your favorite bad movie? Oh, where would I start? But probably at Zombie Strippers. Oh yeah, which we've actually done on our podcast, Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. This is a podcast where we take some of the worst movies ever created, and even some of those movies that you might have thought were brilliant, but still got a bad critic score, and we say nice things about them, because you know what? Someone put the effort in, so we're gonna be there fighting in their corner. Absolutely, Chad. Even if the movie was total garbage, there are some makeup artists that gave it their all, and we're here to recognize that. Exactly. And with really fun themes every week, such as National Treasure Week, Weddings Week, uh, movies with Jeremy Irons and dragons in them, How could you go wrong by joining us every Tuesday and Thursday for some optimism in your life? And like we say at the end of every episode, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Goodbye! Nominated in New Jersey's Here Now Audio Fiction Festival 2020, it's Bioshock. The Midnight Series. Based in the dystopian underwater city of Rapture, witness what it was like for civilians from different walks of life before and after Andrew Ryan's city fell. It's a tale of deception, downfall, and survival. The Midnight Series, a podcast by Preston Hardin. Listen on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.